Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their have you got Rommel yet? Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, beer barrel time. Bring back the beer barrel time. It's way past time for that time. Tennessee. Going into a rivalry, it usually takes care of business in time. But uh, the same, I suppose, could have been said about Florida and Bama the other way around time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here in God's Own, Knoxville, Tennessee, just a couple miles away from Neyland Stadium, where in about, what, five days, if my math is right? Five days, I think. Tennessee will host Kentucky, the third-ranked Vols, against the 19th-ranked Wildcats. Night game, under the lights, ESPN, Herb Street and that crew will be doing it. Uh, so maybe they can uh, explain why they uh, just completely um, did not do anything with the Jermaine Burton situation <laughs> over the weekend. I think that's that's interesting. That's another topic for another day, I suppose. Um, but guys, it's a beautiful day here. It, it's a Chamber of Commerce Day in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I'm going to go across town to Ryan Callahan's daycare center. Going to go down to Ben McKee's house, get both of those fellas on the horn. Fellas, how are we doing today? Jermaine Burton has not taken a swing at either of you, has he? <laughs> he, no. he has not taken a swing at me. I, I don't know about Callahan. I'll let him speak for himself. He has not uh, taken a swing at, at me, thankfully. Ryan, uh, I, I was Ryan's got a punchable side face. of the field. What's that? Ryan's got a punchable face. So do you. Oh, but he didn't punch me. I know Definitely. that. I think Wes has the most punchable face. I mean, yes, Wes. I mean, you, you Wes likes to buy Twitter followers like Butch Jones. So I, I don't know that Wes Ooh. should be out here throwing shots at, Congrats. at folks to, to you start know the what? podcast. Uh, I don't know. I think what do you live about five miles away from me? I can uh, your your stinky cologne there of jealousy is something I could smell from over here at Fort Rucker <laughs> Studio. Uh, I, 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 it might be five miles. I don't know. I'm in deep South Knoxville. We represent, unlike you over there at Fort Rucker. Con- but, uh, congrats, Jermaine Burton. Uh, I was gonna Go say ahead, congrats Ryan. on a hundred. Uh, congrats on a hundred thousand, by the way, Wes. That's that's quite the accomplishment. Coming for you, Neil Stadium. I'm coming for you. Hundred hundred thousand oh, followers Lord. and enough and enough bots among those followers to fill the South End Zone, right? Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. 30,000 of them are in Russia or Mongolia, most likely. Would be uh, 
All right, uh, Jermaine Burton. That that was quite the uh, the situation that popped up. I, I was not listening to the broadcast when when Herb Street supposedly didn't say anything and took up for him. So I'm I'm not going to speak to that. But the the Jermaine Burton situation is unfortunate. Uh, I I I don't think that he should just be thrown off the the face of the planet. But Agreed. the the girl was minding her own business and. I it looked more like a shove than a punch, but it doesn't really matter if it's a, a shove or a punch, a slap, whatever you want to call it. It, it was a, a a forcible act of, of physicality towards a female, and that should not be stood for in, in today's uh, day and age, really any day and age, but uh, especially in 2022. I, I thought it was pretty simplistic, but, but it is what it is, uh, and... We all know why Jermaine Burton was playing on Saturday against Mississippi State, and that's because Alabama's receivers are not very good or, or are not as good as they typically are, and, and Saban needs him to play. So it is what it is. I think it's all been ridiculous, and, and yeah. I mean, at this point, nothing's going to happen, apparently. Yeah, and the only reason I'm mentioning this is because it it happened in Knoxville. It happened at Neyland Stadium, and I've seen the video, and I don't – I'm not here to condemn a young man. Like I, I, I don't know exactly what what happened. I suppose, but we we do have video evidence of what happened. And if you can see that, and you can say, okay, you're just going to play the next game. I, that 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 can't be right. It can't be right. I, I mean, I I think when when you start talking about oh she was on the field to me that's like dangerously close. To like oh look what she was wearing. You know what I mean? Like it's the same line of defense. I don't. I, it's not a reason to do what happened. I don't think that you throw the dude in jail. I don't think anything like that. I, I just think it's not okay that that happened and nothing was done about it. And the fact that, like, I've seen three or four people in the media maybe mention something about it, and, and it's just kind of like, guys, what are what are we what are we doing here? Like, what, what, well, you know, you gotta you can't act like it didn't happen. The weirdest part is Nick Saban acting like there's more to the story than just a girl passing by him on a, the, as fans stormed the field. Like, did it, did it happen to be the one person in that crowd that already knew Jermaine Burton? Like, did it? Uh, did she hurl a racial slur at him or something? Like, that's about the only excuse that would even possibly justify, and even that really wouldn't, but yeah. uh, that would even possibly justify anything on his end. So I don't know what more to the story there is. But, yeah, Nick, Nick Saban's attempts to kind of swat that away were – were, were uh, not effective, I would say. And, and yeah, it's an unfortunate story. Yeah, and, and we'll, we'll move on from it. But it, it's just, to me, I don't know. It, it, it's... But aren't you glad UT Bama's back? This is what it's all about. Oh, it is. I mean, oh, no, there's no, there's no question. <laughs> Ten and, days and, later, yes, we're still and, talking about it. And I'll say this, well, because the other game was UT Martin. But, you know, I, yeah. I think that, that, you know, Tennessee storming in the field was not like most storming of the field. Like, there may have been 50,000 people on that field. So I get that it was not what you would want to see every week. Um, and in my opinion, if a player is threatened in any way, or you can even plausibly say was threatened, I don't care what happens to that fan. You, you play a dumb game, you win a dumb prize. But we saw a video of that. Like we, You can't tell us that something happened when didn't happen when we saw what happened. So I, I don't... I don't. I don't know. I think. I think there, there's. It's disappointing because 
people have missed playing time for less than that, for much less than that. And, and I think that is disappointing. But nonetheless, there is another big game this week. We will move on. Just had to discuss that, and now we can move on. Uh, Tennessee playing Kentucky, a big, big week, a big rivalry game. Certainly a game that means a lot to Tennessee, means a whole hell of a lot to Kentucky. Uh, this is the program that traditionally gives – uh, Kentucky, a very hard time, a very, very hard time. But, of course, the last time Kentucky was in Neyland Stadium, it, it had a pretty good time. So uh, lots of interesting things here. Last season's game was was really exciting, really close. Uh, this season's game not expected to be as close, although I think some of us on our staff will have some disagreements about that as the week progresses. But I, I have said from the beginning, guys, there are lots of things to talk about. We'll talk about injuries to the extent that we can because Heupel's just not going to say anything as he's wont to do. That's his his ball, his court, his rules. Uh, so we'll talk about what we can, but we don't have a ton of information to go on there. But uh, what we can talk about is that game, and I just I just like this matchup for Tennessee. I really do. We're glossing yeah, over UT. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say we're glossing over UT Martin like that really quick handshake after the game between Josh Heupel and Jason Simpson, right? Yeah, like I mean, you know, we're, we're yeah. what, what, what are you going to say, right? Like uh, it was yeah. it was a four string quarterback throwing to a four string wide receiver. I wouldn't have done it, but they did it. Didn't I mean? Whatever, it happens. Like yeah. they took Hendon Hooker out with twenty with what thirty five minutes left in the game. Whatever. <laughs> Fair enough. But they're they're still jacking deep balls it's almost as if somebody saw that coming on the podcast last week but i believe you did that is true that is true we we won't touch on that i i agree with you wes uh i i think that this is a a very favorable matchup for tennessee what kentucky does well tennessee can combat that with with some things that they really do well Uh, kentucky doesn't necessarily have the tools and I'm more so speaking offensively because I do think uh, Kentucky's defense is something to be aware of for sure. Some dudes. Uh, I, I, Some dudes. I think that you're being ignorant uh, if if you aren't aware of Kentucky's defense because Kentucky's defense has been good the entire Stoops era. That that is what they do best. That is what they hang their hat on. Uh, they're they're going to show up and be tough and and play physical football and and they'll probably have a really good game plan. Uh, as well, so that is something to be aware of. But Tennessee's offense, Ryan, should should still win that matchup all day, every day. Uh, I, I it seems like it, or uh, Cedric Tillman is going to play this week, but we've kind of felt optimistic in the past as well. So we'll see what happens on Saturday. Even without Cedric Tillman, you, you still feel good about Tennessee's offense going up against uh, Kentucky's defense. But uh, the the bigger question is, and this will determine the game and if Kentucky can keep it close and that's if Kentucky's offense can put up the points to keep up with Tennessee. That That's what this game comes down to. Tennessee's going to put up points. Tennessee's going to put up points on everybody that they play. It's going to come down to whether Tennessee defensively can get stops. And uh, I think Kentucky's offense is, is a little bit better than what people want to admit, but it, it does have some weaknesses. Their, their offensive line isn't what it has been in the past especially at tackle. Their running statistics are awful to look at, but that was also with Chris Rodriguez out, the one of the best running backs of the SEC, out a good chunk of the start of the season, and, and he seems to be finding his stride as he's gotten back into the flow of things here the last couple of games. But what Kentucky does best offensively, to get to back to my initial point, is 
what Kentucky does best, it goes up against what Tennessee does best defensively. Yep. And that's stop the run, especially in between the tackles. So uh, we'll see who wins that matchup. But how could you not feel good about Tennessee's ability to stop the run? And uh, Tennessee's secondary is certainly something that we're going to have to keep an eye on. Uh, Kentucky does have some talented receivers, Barry on Brown, Dane Key, uh, the, the transfer from Virginia Tech that, that they brought in. I believe it's Tavion Robinson. Those are very talented receivers that will pose a nice test for Tennessee secondary. And Will Levis, he'll, he'll give you a pick six or a, a bad interception or a costly turnover or two a game. But he's also capable of making some big-time throws that, that could win the game for Kentucky as well. So that, that, to me, Ryan, is a fascinating matchup because what Kentucky does best, Tennessee does best defensively. Uh, but then also you do have to take into consideration that Tennessee secondary just kind of is what it is. And no matter what you think of Will Levis, he's still going to be an NFL draft pick and a pretty high one uh, come April. Yeah, and I'm I'm really interested in seeing how he matches up with Tennessee this year because this might be a game where Will Levis has to go out there and win it for Kentucky if they're going to pull off the upset. And, you know, sh- show me you're a top 10 draft pick. I-, I like what I've seen of Will Levis. I've never quite understood the hype relative to what we've seen so far in his college career, but the, the tools are there. So, you know, let's see. Now, now I think Kentucky wants to slow this game down, though, much like what we saw last year when Tennessee had the ball for all of 14 minutes or so uh, in Lexington. I think Kentucky wants to drain the clock. They want to make Tennessee's defense wear down. They want Tennessee's offense to be uncomfortably uh, idle on the sideline for long stretches of time uh, to, to throw them off their game. So we'll see if they can succeed in that, you know, similar to what they did last year, even though it didn't stop Tennessee from scoring last year. Um, that's that's the idea. You want to do those things to get Tennessee uncomfortable. And well, I'm a little bit skeptical that, that Kentucky can win this game. But here I do think some Tennessee fans might be taking this one a little bit lightly, which, again, fans aren't players. They can afford to do that. But I, I think fans might be assuming this is a little bit safer of a game than it is. I do think playing a night game at Neyland Stadium, sellout crowd, Tennessee probably going to be wearing some different uniforms in this game. Uh, you know, all that at, should add up to a pretty charged up environment to see a top three, you know, the number three team in the country uh, in a game with huge stakes for Tennessee. And this is, I, I, I could make uh, the, the, a pretty strong argument for this being maybe Tennessee's, um, in some ways, their most important game left. I mean, obviously the Georgia game is very important, but you could argue that this one being the second most important or second toughest game Tennessee has left is the most important because if you win this one, then maybe win or lose against Georgia, you're playing a significant game in December or January. So um, that this one's huge, and and Tennessee will, will be ready, I think, and and Tennessee's fans certainly need to be ready too because it is a big one. It's it's Kentucky's kind of Super Bowl almost every year, and, and no different this year, of course, with Tennessee being good. But you know that Kentucky does present some challenges, and I and I give Mark Stoops uh, a chance to to maybe if anyone can can look at what Alabama did and failed to do against Tennessee defensively and come up with a more effective game plan defensively based off that, I would say it's Mark Stoops. I think he he's a good defensive mind, and I wouldn't rule out that he could come up with some, some, some wrinkles that might make things at least a little bit more difficult for Tennessee offensively. I don't think it's going to stop Tennessee from scoring, but maybe they can slow things down enough to make this game at least interesting. So if I'm a Tennessee fan, I, I wouldn't overlook this one. I think this could be a little bit tougher than people are thinking. Yeah, see, people keep saying that, and I'll be honest. Like, I'm normally the guy who says things like that. I just don't see it. 
Like I, 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 I don't like the thing with Levis, and I know Josh Allen had some similar numbers in college. So let let's be honest about that. But you're talking about a guy who's got in his career forty touchdowns and twenty interceptions, and, and his career quarterback rating, his career quarterback rating, is not even close, like statistically, to like the worst season of Hendon Hooker's career. Like I, I don't, I don't see because because if you want to beat Tennessee. You're going to have to throw the ball really, really well um, because Tennessee is pretty decent, pretty solid against the run, actually. That's Kentucky. What they want to do is they want to, you know, toughen you up there, you know, kind of body blow, body blow, and then hit some big shots and stuff. And, and I, I just – I think that kind of plays into what Tennessee is, is decent at defensively. Now, I, I think Kentucky's defense is better than Tennessee's. I think Kentucky's defense is definitely better in space than Tennessee's is. But I think Tennessee's offense is playing at a level where if it just does its job, it won't matter. Because, I, I mean, Alabama went out there and basically blanked Mississippi State one week after Tennessee just went up and down the field all day long against them. And I think other than a couple of drives against Pittsburgh this year maybe, I think every single drive where Tennessee has not put points on the board this season, it's because Tennessee made a mistake. Tennessee either dropped a pass that should have been a touchdown, missed a throw that should have been a touchdown, uh, had a holding penalty that that put things back. Like I don't think this offense has been stopped by anything other than itself all season. Well, but that's that's see that's a fair point, but that's also part of the game. And Tennessee is one of the most penalized teams in the SEC, so that you know that that eventually might catch up to Tennessee. Sure, you know, sure. Alabama's had that had that problem. Tennessee was penalized a lot, even against UT Martin. So they've. They've got to get that under control a little bit, and and I'll say this: there's a at least a chance of rain Saturday night. The last time I looked at the forecast, um, so you know you never know when you might get a rain rainy game that that makes things a little sloppier. And you know, again, I, I think Mark Stoops and you you kind of touched on it. Pitt is the game that I kind of compared this one to the most going into the season. I thought one of those two teams would beat Tennessee. Obviously, my view has completely changed since then. And I haven't picked Tennessee to lose when we've actually gotten to each game <laughs> um, compared to the preseason. Yeah, I, but, picked, I picked a Bama loss. I'll own that. Um, but I did think one of these two teams would, would maybe get Tennessee. And part of the thinking there was they, they these defenses have enough talent up front to cause some trouble for Tennessee running the ball. And as we've seen, when this offense is is doing what it wants to do for Tennessee, it, they're running the ball pretty well. They're, ru- they're rushing for 200-plus, uh, as we've seen a lot. So that they they might not have that against Kentucky. We'll have to wait and see. But, but they also Pitt, they always have Hendon Hooker being the do. wild card, yeah. and he could run twenty times a game occasionally For if, sure. he need, if you needed it. Yeah, but the but the pit game is kind of the that's the one. It's an outlier right now for Tennessee. But you know Tennessee's been almost so sharp offensively. You know you hate to say this, obviously, if you're a Tennessee fan, but they they could be due an off game a little bit. I mean they've been really sharp. For, for a good stretch here and did it without Cedric Tillman over the past four games. So can they keep it going? I mean, this, this just absolutely torrid streak they're on uh, of just making it look effortless to score 40 plus, or, or do we see them hit a little bit more turbulence in a, in a game like this against a, a, a pretty good defensive a, a opponent. So it, it, this, this will tell us a lot. Uh, and obviously a lot of people will be watching this one closely with that big Georgia game coming out uh, next week to see, you know just how good Tennessee looks, and, and are they capable of uh, of beating Georgia? Which uh, you know, the early line looks like it's going to have Georgia as a double digit favorite, mm-hmm. at least as of right now. So some people are still skeptical of them hanging with a team like Georgia. This game maybe tells us if they take care of Kentucky in convincing fashion, uh, I think that line will close in quite a bit and, and make Tennessee more of a single digit underdog. 
Yeah, I'm I'm with Ryan on this one. I, I think this game is far more of a challenge in, in terms of what Kentucky can present than than maybe some want to admit, just because of the logo on the side of the helmet that that Tennessee will be playing this week, and that's fine. And, and look, ultimately, I think Tennessee wins by double digits. Am I going to predict a a forty or fifty point win? No, but fifteen to twenty points, I, I think that's about where Tennessee will will end up being when it when it's all said and done in, in terms of picking up this win. Uh, and, and I agree with what you're saying, Wes. I, I don't think that Will Levis in this Kentucky offense is is capable of keeping up with Tennessee and Hendon Hooker. But I also do think that this is one of the better defenses that, that Tennessee is going to face uh, to this point in the season. I think this is a better defense than LSU's than Pittsburgh's, than Florida's. But, I, I but truly, Alabama? I, did I say Alabama? I'm just saying. Just saying. I, I didn't mention Alabama, so no, I do not think it's it's better than <laughs> the the Alabama defense. But my, my point was, Kentucky is one of the, the better defenses that Tennessee will go up against, and I, I think they're better than all the defenses that they've, they've faced than the Alabama defense. And again, I still think Tennessee's going to put up points on them, I'm just saying that it's not going to be just roll the, the helmet out there and, and Tennessee wins. And it has more to do with Tennessee's defense and the offense. Again, I, I've expressed time and time again, and I mentioned it earlier on this podcast, I trust Tennessee's offense to go out there and put up points. I, I think that's going to happen against anybody in the country. Ohio State, if it's a playoff game, Georgia, Alabama again in the SEC championship game, I think Tennessee's going to put up points. I, I don't think that is going to be a question with this year's team unless Hendon Hooker gets hurt or uh, a, a significant amount of injuries take place. It, it's the defensive side of the ball that because of the secondary and because of the inconsistency of the linebacker play, that side of the ball will always give a good opponent a chance to win the game. And I think Kentucky's a, a solid to, to good opponent, and they have the pieces on offense to to where it, it can make it a game more so than than people want to admit this Saturday in, in Neyland Stadium. That that's that's my whole thinking is that yes, I think Tennessee wins. I think they win by double digits. I, I don't think Will Levis can keep up with Hidden Hooker, but if the secondary doesn't get healthier and doesn't take a step forward, if the linebackers continue to be inconsistent then Kentucky has the, the pieces to where all of a sudden it's it's the third and fourth quarter and, and it's a shootout. And, and if you're Tennessee, you would like to avoid that, obviously. Yeah, I, I just I, – I, I try – let's see if I can word this correctly, if I can get words out of my mouth that, that, that fit the ones – the thoughts that are in my brain, which is con- sometimes a challenge. I, I, I don't think it, I, I'm being disrespectful to Kentucky as a team. I think I, I consistently I've at least thought and I hope I've said, I think it's a good football team. Uh, I think it's a good football team that's going to win a bunch of games this season, have a pretty solid season, you know, January bowl game type of team. I just think the matchups in this game are ones that give me less room for pause. I I don't know. I just think the way that Kentucky plays, and we'll have much more time throughout the week to discuss it, but I just think what Kentucky wants to do offensively a lot of the time is sort of what feeds into what Tennessee's decent at defensively. And then on the other side, I think Kentucky's defense is good. I think it's well coached. I think they've got some dudes in space who can make plays. I, I just, I, when you watch film of what Tennessee's doing offensively, 
Someone at some point, somewhere is going to have an answer for it. That's just football. Someone's going to figure something out schematically that makes a difference. Or someone's going to just hope that Hooker has a bad day because maybe he's due one. I don't know because against Pitt, he really wasn't bad. Tillman dropped some passes and some other weird stuff happened. And he still had 325 yards and four TDs that day. So I I think in terms of what Tennessee wants to do and what Kentucky wants to do, I just think in order for Kentucky to win, Kentucky has to play a really, 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 really good game, and Tennessee has to play a bad game. Uh, Because if Tennessee plays a decent game, I think Tennessee wins this game. I just It's a matchup thing for me. I just don't think Kentucky – can score enough, even against Tennessee's defense, uh, to do yeah. that. But that's and I, I I do agree with that. And uh, Ryan, I, I think you and I feel very similar in the sense of we're thinking more big picture in terms of what Tennessee could be playing for down the road. And obviously, Georgia next week is a big one. It is absolutely massive. But after that, I mean, it, it's pretty. Smooth sailing from from then on out. Uh, Missouri is not good. Vanderbilt is atrocious, and I know South Carolina is ranked number twenty five as as we record this. But I do not think that they are a good football team. I think they benefited from playing a Kentucky team that did not have Will Levis. Uh, mm-hmm. They they beat up on a a bad Texas A and M team. They haven't beaten anybody. I don't I don't think Carolina is good, and the the conversation around Carolina will only continue to increase because they they play those cupcake SEC teams. Coming up, Missouri, if I'm not mistaken, and, and Vanderbilt as well. So we'll we'll continue to hear that narrative. But I would be very surprised if if Carolina snuck up and and beat Tennessee. I would be absolutely stunned if Carolina, Missouri, or Vanderbilt beat Tennessee and kind of played spoiler and and, and ruined a potential playoff appearance for Tennessee. Whereas with Kentucky, I think that this is aside from Georgia the toughest test remaining. And they 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 do some things that could really present some issues for Tennessee if they show up and don't play to the level they're capable, like you were just discussing, Wes. And if that happens, I think it could be a very nervous fourth quarter for 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 Tennessee fans. So uh, overall, big picture is more kind of how I'm I'm looking at this thing on a Monday. Is that this is Tennessee's last legitimate test outside of Georgia? Because I I don't think Missouri. Vanderbilt or South Carolina are going to present a test. I, I I have already chalked those up as W's because I'm allowed to do that as a media member. But with with Kentucky, I'm, I'm penciling in the zero in in the W. But I haven't pinned in the W because again, I do think there are some things that Kentucky can do to maybe frustrate Tennessee. I, I think yeah. that's fair. No, Ryan, go ahead. Do you want do you want us to go to break or do you want to go do you want do you want to make your point now or after the break? Well, I'll just throw in real quickly. I, I mean, Chris Rodriguez to me is the like. You look at Kentucky's season rushing numbers, they're actually not very good. You would think they are. They're, they're not awesome. Um, Chris Rodriguez, though, has changed the look of that offense. He had 197 yards against Mississippi State uh, his last game out. So uh, I also – I mentioned this before the season. I don't think if you're Tennessee, you love that Kentucky got an open date uh, to prepare for this game. You know, two full weeks to, to scheme up something that can uh, at least cause some problems for Tennessee – a little bit concerning. I think you've got to be ready for uh, to, to alter your game plan pretty early in the game if, if Kentucky's throwing something completely different at you from, from what you're expecting. The good news for Tennessee is I think they're pretty adaptable, uh, and they've seen plenty of different looks this year. But that's something to keep in mind is that Kentucky's had plenty of time to, to game plan for this one, and this is a massive game for Kentucky, a massive opportunity. 
Um, but yeah, well, to me, it just comes down to can Chris Rodriguez do what he's what he's done the last couple times out and, and give Kentucky a, a pretty balanced offense because when they when they are doing what they do well, they they do control the clock. Um, they they're, they're kind of like Tennessee in that you know Hendon Hooker really isn't at his best when he's having to throw 40, 45 times a game. He's he's usually better off throwing 25, 30 passes because they they hit so many big plays. Will Levis hasn't thrown more than 30 passes very often. Um, so when Kentucky's doing what they do well, he's not having to do the heavy lifting. If they get in a shootout with Tennessee, they're not going to win. Um, I think their path to winning is at most what we saw last year, like low 40s, and that's if Kentucky's offense is just driving up and down the field the way it did last year. Um, I'm not sure we're going to see that, but I think for Kentucky to win this game, it's probably got to be in the 30s. I, I think something like 38, 35, you know, something like, like they could they could win a game like that so they've just got to muck it up just enough, run the ball well. If Tennessee stops Chris Rodriguez or holds him in check, it's hard for me to see Kentucky win this game. But if they run the ball pretty well, I, I, that's, the, that's the formula, I think. I, I could see Tennessee at least having some difficulty with this game if Kentucky can turn it into that kind of you know, uh, ball control type game that, that Tennessee's not really seen yet, uh, aside from maybe that pit game that just got so ugly. That wasn't so much ball control. It just – there was no pace to that game because Tennessee wasn't moving the ball well for a, lo- a large stretch. Yeah, I, I think that I'll say this before we go to break. I, I just think Kentucky's about what it was last season, and, and that's good. It's good. But Tennessee's at a whole different level from what it was last season, I think, especially offensively. And I think that game was in Lexington. This one will be in Knoxville. It will be at night. There will not be a ton of blue in there. Uh, it, 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 we'll, we'll see. I, I – I like this matchup for Tennessee, but we have a full week to discuss it. And you know what? Uh, I didn't like the matchup against Alabama in some ways, and what the hell did I know, right? Uh, Tennessee won the game. So what do I know? What do any of us know? What is anything? we we got to discuss a lot of that. But before we do that, uh, let's go t- step away for just a second, pay some bills, listen to product services, in-house ads, et cetera, and then come right back here on the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever product, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Ben McKee coming to you from Ben McKee's house. Ryan Callahan coming to you from his home daycare center. They're across town talking Tennessee football, obviously, on this uh, Chamber of Commerce beautiful Monday afternoon here in Knoxville, Tennessee. 
where, where I am here, just a couple of miles, maybe 1.9 miles away from Neyland Stadium, where Tennessee will play Kentucky uh, in a game that, that, that should always be known as the Beer Barrel and a game for which the Beer Barrel should still be played. And I will mention that on every podcast this week, and I will not apologize for that because it's stupid that it hasn't come back yet. Bring it back. Bring back the beer barrel. Lots more to discuss in this episode, though. But before we do that, just a quick request from our end, guys. If you could take about a minute out of your day right now, maybe 60 seconds, 75 seconds, maybe 90 seconds, tops, and go in there and rate and review this podcast and subscribe to this podcast, that would help us out tremendously. If you're just listening on the website, Nothing wrong with that. We love you. There's no wrong way to consume the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Helps us out the most, though, if you go in there on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher. Anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod, you can find this Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We do this for free, and we're happy to do it. It's a labor of love. Very few complaints from our end. Never want to say no complaints, because let's be honest, there's always some complaints. But very few complaints from our end. Uh, but since I think we're doing it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go in there and rate and review and subscribe and tell your friends, right? Tell people that you see at church. Tell people you're playing golf with. Tell people you see walking your dog. Uh, tell people you see uh, if, if your wife's going to a, to, to a book club or you're in a book club. Tell people at the book club. Whatever it is people do these days, I don't know. We have a young kid. We don't have social lives anymore. But if you just see people walking around wearing orange... Be like, hey, you, you like the Vols, I like the Vols. Why don't you listen to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast? You might make a friend. You might change your life. Butterfly effect. You never know what that could do. So if you're already doing all those things, thank you. We love you. If not, I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Back to business. Injury talk. Uh, we, we spoke with Josh Heupel uh, on Monday afternoon, I suppose you would say, just after lunchtime, and uh, asked a lot of questions. I think uh, after about five or six separate questions about specific injured players, he basically then laughed and said, I should have said this earlier, but we'll just evaluate them all throughout the week, and then we'll see where they are. Because you know what the line is, right? Monday, it's early in the week. It's not Saturday yet. Got a full week. We'll see how they do. Uh, Wednesday, it's, you know, some of these guys are looking better. We'll see, you know, getting closer. We'll, 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 we'll see how they do Thursday and Friday. And then on Thursday, you hear, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to the medical guys uh, on Friday and we'll see how they're doing. And, and then basically what happens is that's the boilerplate responses to get you through the week where Josh Heupel never has to say anything. So that's his uh, prerogative. That's what he wants to do. There's no law preventing him from doing that. Bottom line, though, I think a lot of players, and y'all feel free to tell me if you disagree, I think a lot of guys who did not play last week very much could have played last week, and they just didn't because that was UT Martin and this is Kentucky. As much as I would love to disagree with you, I do agree with you. It is fun to disagree with him, yeah. That is true. very fun. It's true. Uh, and, and I hate that I have to agree with you on something, even as something as small as, as this topic is. But I, I do agree, Wes. I, I I think because it was UT Martin, there, there was no need to to push uh, Cedric Tillman. I, I do think that if if it had been Kentucky last Saturday, then I, I think it's more likely that Tillman plays the, than he does not play because I do think that he was moving around in practice last week and, and looking pretty good in, in terms of testing that ankle. And uh, I, I do think UT Martin came at a, a great time. You, you made a great point earlier, Wes, uh, about it being – uh, a bye week for Kentucky this past Saturday and, and them having two weeks to prepare. Uh, Josh Heupel made note of that in, in his opening statement 
today that, that Kentucky's been preparing for them for two weeks. And Tennessee was playing UT Martin, so there needs to be a sense of urgency in Tennessee's preparation. Is is what Josh Heupel said, and uh, although that is true, I still feel like the the UT Martin, aka FCS bye week, came at the right time because you were able to hold out guys that that probably would have had to tough it out uh, against Kentucky, or, or maybe weren't going to be available for Kentucky if it had been last Saturday, because last week was essentially a bye week. We, we, we pretty much said it all last week. No need to, to push guys. Uh, even some that played didn't have a, a, a lengthy workload. Jabari Small did not play a ton. Uh, Hendon Hooker was out with three minutes left in the first half, and, and I know part of that was because he was putting up points left and right, but uh, he did not play a ton. The starting receivers did not play for, for too long. Uh, Amari Thomas, he didn't play – play long and that's significant because if you remember uh, he it looked like he got a stinger against Alabama in that shoulder and had to come out of the game at one point so uh, just lightening the the workload for your key starters as we as we discussed on the Thursday podcast was was so critical so I agree I I think a lot of those guys were held out because of the opponent and it it should serve them well Uh, I'll be very very curious to see what the secondary looks like this week because I, I do think Kentucky has some some talented young receivers that can present problems because of, of their speed and elusiveness. Uh, and you, you've seen the secondary struggle, as we've talked about at length this year. And now on top of it sh- struggling, they're banged up. Uh, is, is Brandon Turnage truly fine like he seemed after the game? And, and like Josh Heupel said, he was fine after the game uh, because – Turnage makes two or three great plays there in a row and then hits his neck or shoulder, whatever he hit there uh, on the wall behind the end zone. Uh, so it, it does seem like he's fine, but can Christian Charles go? The the extra week off for Kamal Haddon and his hamstring, how does that help him? So, Ryan, I, I think it's a, a great thing that Martin was played this past Saturday because it, it, they might have been without some key guys if it had been Kentucky this past weekend. And, and even if they weren't without those key guys – how effective would they have been able to be dealing with the injuries that they have going on? Yeah, no, no question. Uh, I, I love the way Tennessee's schedule shaped up for them this year because you, you have just natural breaks throughout it. Uh, aside from these final five games, you know this this is this is a five game stretch with no open dates, but at least a couple games toward the back end that, that are not as difficult. So it, it it sets up nicely where you're not. You don't have just that four-week stretch with nothing but tough game after tough game that you can sometimes have in the SEC. And, uh, and yeah, the last week's game, obviously, a big part of that because it essentially did give Tennessee that chance to, to rest everybody. So we'll see how much that helps. I do think some of those guys will be back uh, this week. How many and to what degree they are healthy will be fascinating. You know, is, is Gerald Mincy definitely back to 100% or, or close enough to – to play well uh, th- this week, you know, or are those guys in the secondary and how, how many of them and which ones uh, are back? Obviously Cedric Tillman, kind of the headliner yes. there. Will he be back? At, if he is, will he be limited? But, uh, you know, I think that's, that's still a fair question. You know, will he be ready to take on a 100% normal workload uh, in, a, in a, a tough enough game to, to justify kind of forcing the issue or, is he going to be a little bit limited where maybe Ramel Keaton still going to have to play a little bit more than usual, even if Tillman is good to go. Uh, so lots of questions health wise for Tennessee going into this game. Uh, and I'll be, I'll be interested in how they approach this game in that regard. You know, do, if you have some calls like that, where guys are, you know, however you want to qu- quantify it, you know, 70% or, you know, if they're a little bit dinged up, 
you know, able to give it a go? Do, do you force the issue or with Georgia coming up next week, do you maybe, do you take your chances with a couple of those guys? And, you know, we, we won't really know because Josh Heupel doesn't give a whole lot of insight on those types of things. He gives um, none. I, he gets a really nice way of saying he gives none. Let's just, yeah, you know, he I, gives none. I really enjoyed, by the way, his, his retroactive. Uh, oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you guys, I'm not going to tell you anything about injuries uh, that he gave yeah. Monday when he was asked about a few guys specifically. And he's like, uh, yeah, we'll find out more about him. Uh, all the injured guys uh, throughout the week. I, that's I, I what, probably should have mentioned that off the top. That, that's what uh, I said earlier. Yeah. That, that, that yeah. was his new wrinkle today. Yeah, I mean that that was that was a lot of fun, but I I do think that's uh, I mean to be expected any week, but especially this week because they are going to have some tough calls to make, and so uh, you know we'll, we'll we'll see how that goes. But it's a it should be a healthier team, a noticeably healthier team this week, and, uh, and that's a big deal because again, you know I, I think this is a game. If you ask people within the program, I think there's at least a little more concern about this game, um, just because you know you, human nature. I think I think players. You start to worry players might start to look ahead a little bit. Not that anybody can afford to overlook Kentucky, but the you know game of the year type stuff. If Tennessee and Georgia are ranked one and three going into that game next week, I mean that's going to be a hugely anticipated game, and that's right around the corner. And, and Tennessee playing Kentucky at home, you got to take care of business here. But I think there are a few reasons you, you look at this game and you worry a little bit uh, that if players don't completely completely lock in on this game. And, and really uh, get, give it the, their best effort and continue to play as efficiently and effectively as they have uh, on offense, that, that they could end up in a dogfight this week. And, and, yeah, how injuries play into that will be fascinating this week because there are a lot of question marks um, from, from this past week and before, obviously, that they've got to figure out. Yeah, the reason I'm not that concerned about that aspect, which I think under normal circumstances would be a big concern, the reason I don't know that it's a concern this week is because I like the leadership structure there that they have within the program. I think Heupel kind of takes every day the same. And I think Hendon Hooker, who has played Kentucky like, what, seven times in his career now? I'm, I'm exaggerating, obviously. But he's played Kentucky a lot, both at Virginia Tech and then last year for Tennessee. And I think he knows exactly what kind of challenges could be presented by this team. So I think those two combined will probably – um, will lead the way in sort of making sure, and Carvin and some other guys too, uh, which, by the way, shout out Drum Carvin, SEC Offensive Lineman of the Week. But but I, I think those guys will help set the tone for what this week needs to be. But my question, my question is, when you look at this game and you look at the Georgia game and you think about the future and you think about it and you try to game it out, right, if you lose to Kentucky, you pretty much have to beat Georgia or you will not be in the playoff. No matter what happens this week, you still control your own destiny to win the East and then to win the SEC and then to go on. So you can lose this game and then run the table and you're still a national champion. But if you're talking about just getting into the playoff, I would argue that if you have to pick one of these games that you're like, man, we just can't lose this one, I think it's this one. Because if you lose at Georgia and you don't get like your doors blown off, you don't go in there and look like a Vandy or South Carolina or something. If you go in there, you play a good game, you lose, you're still at one loss. You're not going to get dinged up by the SEC title game because you're probably not going to be playing in it. And then you're right there with the puncher's chance at the end to get into the playoff. That's called backing in, but teams have done that before and won championships. So there's no shame in that. But if you lose this one, then 100% of the pressure – Every single week, you're playing for the playoff or you're not getting in. 
So I, I think if guys, if I'm the coach and guys are on the fence and, and you think, okay, we're not going to maybe make it worse, but like there's definitely, there's some risk involved, but you got to kind of pick your, your battles. I'd pick this one, but that's just me. I, I completely agree. And, and Ryan said it earlier in the pod. I, I said it earlier in the pod. Th- this is, aside from Georgia, Tennessee's last true hurdle, in, in my opinion. There, there, there's a small, itty-bitty hurdle with, with South Carolina. Like I, I think that this Kentucky game is like, as we all know, as parents, that this is like when, when, you're, when your baby – gets to the phase of you have to constantly watch them every second of every day. Like Wes is in that stage right now. Wes is dealing, Wes is dealing (laughs) with Kentucky at the moment to where he, he has to continually keep an eye on the baby. I'm in the stage at three months of, okay, he's asleep. I can let him sleep for a minute. He's sitting over in his swing. I I can leave him there. That's South Carolina. South Carolina is such a, a small hurdle. That, that Tennessee has to, to get over. I, I don't think they really present a challenge at all. I don't think they have a ton of talent. I think they are very overrated. I don't think they're a top 25 team. The The only challenge will be that it's probably going to be a night game on the road in the SEC with a bunch of people and, and Sandstorm uh, playing. That, that, that's that's going to be the challenge of, of that game, in my opinion. And, and to me, that's, that's not that big of a hurdle to get over, whereas – don't forget that loud rooster noise they play all the time. That thing's annoying. <laughs> yes, and, and the fact that they have a cock outside the stadium, that 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 just scares everybody into to you know what. But um, Kentucky, it, for those who know football and, and watch football on a weekly basis, they know that this Kentucky football program is not what it used to be. And that doesn't mean that, that they're going to come into Neyland Stadium and, and, and beat Tennessee. I'm picking Tennessee to win by double digits. But you do have to be aware of the challenges they present. Whereas with Vanderbilt, Missouri, and South Carolina, I don't think that you necessarily have that effect. And I completely trust this this particular team to handle business. If Tennessee loses to Kentucky, it's not going to be because they were looking ahead to Georgia. It's going to be because they turned the ball over. The offense turned the football over and and Ryan mentioned the penalties earlier and, and they couldn't stop a nosebleed and they let Will Levis have a career defining day at the office that that will be why Tennessee loses this game not not because they were looking ahead this team has proved time and time again that everything going on outside of the building does not matter to them that they are truly focused on going one and oh a week at a time and, and you hear that from every coach and every player and in every sport that exists but this team truly does embody that. They, they truly do not listen to the outside noise. They do not look ahead. They don't care about college game day coming to town. They don't care about potentially wearing black jerseys and, and that potentially being a, a distraction. They go to work. They only worry about themselves, and they only they only care about getting better. So I would be absolutely floored if Tennessee got, got caught looking ahead because they haven't to this season, and they've had every reason in the world to look ahead to, to the Florida game to the LSU game, to the Alabama game, and, and now the Georgia game. And I would be absolutely stunned if they slipped up now. I thought it was very interesting, though, that on Monday, Josh Heupel stopped well short, obviously, of, of assuming that his team would continue to take that approach. He's like, hey, we've done it well for a little more than half a season. <laughs> we still got to keep doing it. And, yeah. and, and arguably the hardest part of that is ahead um, because now 
you're the, you're the hunted, as Wes wrote last week. You know, the, this is the team that is going to be in the crosshairs of everyone they face from here on out. A win against Tennessee it would make the season of a team like South Carolina or Kentucky or Missouri or Vanderbilt. Um, so you've got to be expecting everyone's best game now. You have gone quickly from uh, kind of a Cinderella story to a to a heavyweight uh, very quickly, and and it is uh, it is something that's it's it's human nature. It's it's probably going to be a challenge at some point to keep players focused the way they've been to this point. But uh, but they I, I think this team can do. It. I think you guys are right about that. I think this is the team that that can handle that. And and they're as they're as well equipped as you can be for a team that that hasn't been here before. Let's face it, Tennessee's been here before a long time ago. These players haven't been here before, so uh, it is unfamiliar territory, and they've got to continue to keep their heads on straight. But um, one side note for this uh, this game, I, I love the saltiness that this rivalry has gotten. That it's that's that's actually kind of a rivalry again. Like for years, it didn't feel like it was. It felt like it was for Kentucky but not for Tennessee, kind of like probably what Alabama started to think of Tennessee yeah. over the last 15 years. Yep. Like it, it was a rivalry for one side, but not the other, the, the way Tennessee or has, has felt Florida's arrival, but Florida's in recent years kind of been like, eh, we're worried about Florida state and Georgia more. You know, it's kind of like that. Uh, but, but Kentucky is, has gotten a couple in recent years and, and obviously won in Neyland stadium in 2020 for the first time in, in decades. And now, you know, there, there's there's this rivalry you see in, in recruiting battles. Vince Marrow, you know, weighs in on Twitter. You know, he kind of laughed at the point spread when it came out yeah, last he, week. He, uh, he's 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 uh, he, he's he's an interesting character there on the Twitter machine. Yeah, he, he was laughing at the 14 point spread or whatever it opened at, and uh, and they they go they view Tennessee as a very important state to them in recruiting. They've had some success in this state, getting guys like Trayvon Ribka, the Wade twins. Barry on Brown, who Tennessee fans are going to see a lot the next three years, I would say, and uh, definitely watch him Saturday night as a as a returner, receiver, anything he can do to get his hands on the ball. He is he is electric, and uh, and then Shamar Porter committed in the twenty twenty three class, a four star wide receiver from Innsworth in Nashville. So Kentucky makes this state a priority. They this is a hugely important game for them every year because of that, and and the just Wade they view, wins. Yeah, I, I, I mentioned them a second ago. They're, they're, I mean, that that was one of the fiercest recruiting battles probably between Kentucky and Tennessee in recent years. But it, uh, you know, this year Tennessee beating out Kentucky for Christian Conyer, that one went uh, was a tooth and nail battle uh, this summer. So yeah, it's uh, it, it's a rivalry that in that in that sense is very much alive and well. You know, Tennessee can, needs to continue to to try to make this a rivalry that's that's you know, a little more one-sided than it's been over the last several years. They, they need to kind of keep Kentucky behind them. If but that's where still, they, it kind of has been. It, it has been, but Kentucky's gotten a few. I'm just saying you, you've got you to keep it that way. You know, since, what, since 2011, they've lost three. So they've, uh, they've t- Tennessee's still eight and three over the last 11 years, but yeah. that's not 32 in a row or whatever it was at one point. Or No, let's see, 84 to, to 2011. Uh, so they went, what, 30, 36 years or something like that without without losing two. Yeah, to Kentucky. Yeah, I, I or think, sorry, twenty six years, twenty six years. So it, they went a long time without losing at all, and Kentucky's gotten a few here lately. So it is a it is a a more competitive rivalry. A lot of been close games. I, I I just like that there's that you know that that added layer to it that there's a lot of Tennessee kids that play for Kentucky now, and that you got Vince Marrow that clearly doesn't like Tennessee, Mark Stoops that you know maybe doesn't put it out there publicly, but I don't think he likes Tennessee a lot. It's just a it's a fun fun matchup that way and we'll see if that shows up on the field in any way Saturday night I think that and if Tennessee is back right air quotes inverted commas back if Tennessee is back 
then that hurts Kentucky as much or more than any other program in college football. It is a Absolutely. problem. It is a problem because Kentucky, for all the good things Mark Stoops has done, and he has done legitimately, tangibly, certifiably good things at Kentucky. He has been a – they're talking about even maybe building a statue over there at some point. That's how, that's how good he's been relative to that program's history. But a lot of that does not happen if Tennessee doesn't have its head in its backside. It just doesn't happen because that makes the Kentucky job go from difficult – to damn near impossible because Kentucky has been able to not feast, but Kentucky has been able to rise a little, you know, certainly rise in relevance because when Tennessee has struggled, somebody from the East had to step up and get better, right? It was Kentucky and, and they did that. And I think that is why you see this vitriolic, just bile coming from North of the border here in the state of Tennessee. I think it comes from an understandable place which is that if Tennessee is back, that automatically knocks Kentucky down a couple pegs to where they've usually been, and they really, really thought that Tennessee was not going to come back, and they, they really thought they were going to be able to stay above them in the pecking order uh, or get above them, you know, pass them, touch, you know, whatever you want to call it, like get up there in the same neighborhood. And now it looks like if Tennessee's going to do its job, that's probably not going to happen. So that's the hatred. That's why you're seeing it, point, point yeah. blank, period. It is 1,000% a rivalry game, no, no matter how one-sided it is. I, I don't subscribe to that theory. I'm not saying that that theory is, is wrong. I just don't subscribe to the theory that it has to be competitive in order for it to be a, a, a rivalry. Uh, again, I, I'm not going to push back on that. I, I can certainly understand why people feel that way. I, I just view it differently. I, I think a, a rival and a rivalry game uh, stems from hate. That's why Tennessee and Alabama is a rivalry game. Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee hates Kentucky. Kentucky hates Tennessee. Kentucky fans despise Tennessee fans. Tennessee fans despise Kentucky fans. That is a rivalry game if I've ever heard one. Yes. Kentucky and, fans despise Wes. Maybe Kentucky writers yeah, too. They, and that's like half of my family too, apparently now. <laughs> that's where they're, like my mom's people are from there. It's like, my God, man, I'm just telling you the truth. Yes, Wes, Wes you, you were correct. And, and my favorite thing about that whole back and forth with the Kentucky, the one particular Kentucky writer, is, is that he wanted to, to call you a fan when I can say for fact that you are not a fan of, of Tennessee and, well, can't say the same for him, which I thought that was very interesting. But That was uh, really interesting. That was like a... That was like a pot calling a brown kettle black or something. It was like, dude, like what there, are you doing? There, there's practically, like, of all the media members the, in, in Tennessee, the, the one you could, without a doubt, say that is not a Tennessee fan is Wes, and he said that that one is a, a Tennessee fan. But that, that's a, a separate I, conversation. I, I, like, I like good stories. I like good people. Yeah, you, you, you were not wrong. They're, they're, they were just in their feelings uh, about Tennessee finding some success on, on the football field. And I think Matt Jones is, is having a realization that his take of Tennessee football never getting back to relevance was, was always wrong and, and is about to be really wrong. If, if Tennessee were to make the playoffs. And I, I love but, Matt. I love Matt. I'm gonna, I don't want to interrupt you. I just, I, I want to say he's been a friend for years. I love Matt, but yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, Matt, my, my Swain event listeners will appreciate this comment. Uh, Matt Jones can go yell at more um, workers in the McDonald's and drive through lane as he likes to do. But uh, 
Tennessee Kentucky is a rivalry game. No, no matter which way you slice it, I know some will say, "Well, it's got to be competitive to be a rivalry game." And, and again, I don't disagree with that. But this is a game that I think both sides really, really care about, and uh, Kentucky certainly cares about it. And it's interesting, West, kind of to your point about Kentucky's rise under Stoops. They've been awesome under Stoops, but he hasn't been able to beat Tennessee, and and he's. I don't. I don't know that he's benefited from from Tennessee being down because he hasn't been able to beat Tennessee. I, I think the one that he's benefited from is Florida. He he's ha- kind of had Florida's number, and I, I think when you put it all together, Kentucky has been able to benefit from Florida and Tennessee kind of both being down at at the same time. And uh, we'll we'll see what happens this Saturday. Uh, I think it is going to be an emotionally charged football game on both sides. I I do wonder though. If it if it comes more from Kentucky side though, uh, because of the Vince Morrows and and Stoops not really being able to beat Tennessee, although he has come closer than I think people realize. He, he's only got two wins over Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee's last couple of wins last year, and and then I think it was nineteen, I, I believe, when Daniel Batuli got the stop at the goal yeah. line. Maybe that was mm-hmm. two thousand and twenty. That was nineteen. Yep. Yeah, Tennessee needed a stop on the final play of the game to, to win both of those games. So they, they have been very competitive, and I think people uh, somewhat forget that. But this Tennessee team is also much better than the Tennessee teams that Stoops has, has faced during his time at Kentucky. Uh, so we'll see how it plays out, Ryan. My, my last kind of thought is, it, are there going to be more emotions with Kentucky because of its personnel and what I was just talking about, Vince Morrow, Stoops, all of those uh, – Tennessee kids that are on the Kentucky roster and not all of them but a good chunk of them and Ryan you know this as as well as anybody a good handful of those Tennessee players that are on that Kentucky Kentucky roster are on the Kentucky roster because Tennessee elected not to bring them in for for one reason or another so there's a whole lot of emotion on that Kentucky sideline with it being a rivalry game and I think on Tennessee side all of that emotion stems from the fans in the stands like Josh Heupel doesn't have some emotional connection or or, uh, bad feelings towards Kentucky Hidden Hooker doesn't either there's not a whole lot of bad feelings from from Tennessee's personnel like there's Kentucky's personnel so you have to wonder will that play a role and Kentucky kind of shoot themselves in the foot yeah. Now I will say Kentucky, the ones I mentioned earlier, you know, Barry on Brown never made it to Tennessee's campus, but most of those I mentioned earlier, I, I would consider legitimate recruiting wins for, for Kentucky, Trayvon Ribka, the Wade twins. Those, those guys absolutely could have, could have gone to Tennessee. Barry on Brown probably could have too, just never really got off the ground with Tennessee. Um, he was a talent, just a, just a weird recruitment. And, you know, Tennessee never really had a, had much of a shot. So that I don't think they were too worried about it. And there were reasons not to be too worried about it, but he's a talent, no doubt. So, uh, but yeah, I, I I'll say this too. This I've made this point in the offseason about you can't lose to Kentucky if you're Tennessee. The pressure is always on Tennessee in this game, I feel like, but especially when you're the when you've got so much at stake, you know, in addition to the stakes being high, you go back and look at those three losses Kentucky's had over the past 12 years. Each one of them's been a thing for Tennessee. Each of those losses was sort of the beginning of the end for coaches, and that's not to say anything similar would happen here if Josh Heupel lost this game, but the point is, it's a big deal, and it's a rarity whenever Tennessee does lose to Kentucky, much like losing to Vanderbilt. Um, fair, fair or not, you know, I think Tennessee fans still kind of have the, the 80s and 90s version of Kentucky in their heads. 
that they're used to winning this game comfortably. Uh, and it hasn't been that way for the past several years, but this is a game Tennessee expects to win and, and you don't want to start losing this game. So I, I just think it's always a, an important game for Tennessee. It's extra important this year because of the stakes, you know, for, for what it could mean for Tennessee's season and competing for championships. But yeah, it's just one of those games that, uh, you know, fair or not at this point, now that Tennessee is in this situation, it, it would be viewed as a huge missed opportunity for Tennessee if they've lost this game and it ended up costing them a shot at the college football playoff because they lose to Georgia next week or something like that. Like that, that this would be seen as, as the game that kind of ruined. The, I mean, it'd be a great season, even at 10 and two, but that's how people would view it. I mean, fair or not. So you don't want to mess this up. And, and this is what rivalry games, I mean, <laughs> you worry about this because it is a rivalry game. You know, this is what rivalry games do sometimes that, you know, teams can absolutely ruin another rival's season and Kentucky would love the opportunity to do that for Tennessee. So the pressure's on Tennessee, and you don't want this to be one of those rare Kentucky wins in this series. I think that is a very good point, and I think that's probably a good place to leave it. We're going to have some fun podcast this week with a lot of stuff to talk about, but uh, I think we've gotten Beer Barrel Week started uh, successfully with this one, unless y'all got anything else to add. Bring back the Beer Barrel. Agreed. Uh, I, I I am a fan of bringing back the, the beer barrel and, and, and bringing back more trophies for, for these yes. college football robbery games. It feels like when I was a kid and playing NCAA football and video games, this, this really helped, but it seemed like every single game was a, a trophy game. And, and now outside of a couple of big 10 games, they, they don't really exist anymore. So it would be cool to see the beer barrel back. I, I am very aware and, and sensitive to why it, it went away uh, because two, two people were, were killed. Uh, as it relates to alcohol uh, following one of the games. So I, I certainly understand that. And, and when I was on the Swain event with Swain, um, somebody, I, I can't remember if it was a family member or just a very close friend of one of the people uh, who were killed, uh, they called in one day and kind of shared their firsthand experience of that situation. And, and if I remember correctly, they even said that they, they thought enough time had passed to where uh, it, it could be brought back. So certainly sensitive to, to why it was taken away, but also feel like it, it's time to, to bring it back. And I think this is going to be a sneaky, underrated, fun football game on Saturday because uh, there's a lot of hate between Kentucky and Tennessee. And that 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 is why college athletics is the best because you have the type of, of hate and uh, dislike for others that, that you – that, that you sometimes struggle to find in the professional ranks. So uh, I think Saturday is going to be a, a sneaky, fun Saturday for Tennessee and uh, Kentucky. I agree. And I was, I was just going to throw in on the, on the beer barrel thing. It, all of that stuff rings hollow a little bit when you sell beer at the stadium now, yeah, as they do. It's, so. not, it's not called the, the beer barrel and drive game. Like it's not, it's called the beer right. barrel game, man. Like it's, it's dude, it's, it's time to bring the thing back. It's old school and in a world where we're losing so many freaking traditions year in, year out. Let's let's get one back. It was a really cool, really unique trophy. Yes. And it yeah, still it's exists. A shame. It still exists. It's there. Yeah. It's there. Yeah, I have a question. Yeah. Uh if if Tennessee beats Kentucky, do, do we think Brian Niedermeyer will tweet out a, a photo of, of the beer barrel again? That, that would make me laugh. Ooh. Although I, I think he he might be I don't know what his salt level is today, but it might be. It still might be pretty high. So, with the way well, I, I'm sure. I'm sure he, like Jeremy Pruitt, is uh, claiming to be the reason for all of Tennessee's success because they were the ones <laughs> that recruited 
all these players to Tennessee, which I don't think is entirely true. And if, if the ones that they did recruit to Tennessee, uh, they, they were not developed until they left. So I've wondered how much of a victory lap they're taking over over Hendon Hooker. That's, that's a fair question. <laughs> I mean, it's a fair question. It's, it is. And, and at some point, we're, we're, we're hopefully going to get a really good interview about that at some point, but that would require okay. Tennessee like saying interesting things right now. And Tennessee's just playing the interesting things Tennessee's doing are on the field right now. Tennessee's not they're, they're not going to do anything fun with the microphone. They're like, all right, we're going to, or tape recorder. They're, they're going to go out there and be like, here are our, 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 our play does the talking. So maybe in the off season, we'll get Jeremy Pruitt on the podcast. And there you go. That. There you go. We'll go play poker with him. We'll give it a shot. So, uh, I think that's I think we're in a good place, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Wes. Bye, Wesley. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Guys, thank you. Thank you for listening. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. You can also go uh, to twitter.com slash govals247 and facebook.com slash govals247 to get all of the stuff there or most of the stuff there. We got stuff on there that we update throughout the day, all day, every day. Tons of stuff on there. All good stuff. But if you want that best, most delicious, that sparkling, delicious, crystal clear East Tennessee Smoky Mountain Spring Water right from the tap. Go directly to GoBalls247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball coverage. We cover Tennessee baseball better than anybody out there. We got that for you. We got Lady Vols coverage with award-winning Maria Cornelius, who covers all things Lady Vols for us. You also get administration news. Basically, anytime anything happens over there at the University of Tennessee, we bring it to you at GoVols247.com. We also have two forums that run around the clock, the Checkerboard and the Summit, where you can go and discuss uh, anything you want that is not political or religious in nature, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we will be there to discuss it with you. Just about one of us is up just about all the time, at least, so you can go in there and do that. And you can get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month, and that's after a free trial, and that's always. A lot of times we have better deals than that, but at least we have the seven-day free trial, and then you can start paying us. And when you start paying us, again, which is less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month, if you do that, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, which is the streaming arm of CBS, Viacom, Paramount, all of it. Get all of it right there. And it's, I mean, you got stuff, brand new movies, exclusive movies, exclusive shows. You get stuff from the vaults of uh, Smithsonian, Nickelodeon, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, all of it. And obviously everything CBS has ever done commercial free. That's a $100 plus annual value that we'll put in your pocket for nothing. For nothing. So we're giving you several hundred dollars worth of stuff for less than 100 bucks a year. Guys, that is an unbelievable deal. So please, this is a great time. Go take advantage of of that now uh, if you haven't heard from us uh, from a couple days there's been a problem we should be back here uh in, in a couple days or so you'll hear from us very very shortly until then guys be good to each other be decent to each other please there's not nearly enough of that in our world anymore god we are so mean to each other 
Have some basic human empathy. Allow people their dignity. Try to be kind. Be good to each other. Until then, be good, guys. See you. Where's Wes at? I, he already put my comments out there, so <laughs> he, he had direct quotes. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game full speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.